Hey traders, welcome to another Performante podcast. This is episode 25, quarter to 100. Super excited to uh, continue this daily podcast for December. This episode is going to be pretty interesting. Uh, we definitely have a lot in store. We're going to be talking about the plan for the pension crisis and discussing the uh, issue and be the potential, I guess, uh, outcomes of what could be if nothing happens and then what the regulators and government officials are saying could be a possible solution and then what our possible uh, solution is for the inevitable and uh, we'll talk about that within this podcast. So thank you very much for tuning in again, tuning in again, and then I'll pass it over on to Nathan. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. Uh, just a quick disclaimer before we start this episode, myself and Keith are economists or not know-it-all wall street investors that have been around in the markets for 98 years we're going to do our best to explore a pretty complicated idea here it's the idea of the looming pension crisis you may have heard of it you may have not but either way strap in buckle up because it's going to be a wild discussion so first and foremost we just wanted to paint the picture that the age-old concept of get a job work for 50 years pay into your pension the entire time that doesn't really cut it anymore because there's a fundamental flaw in how that system is and how that system is set up a before we get into it i personally think there is a better way to leverage your time leverage technology and leverage your skills but that is a conversation for another time. The reason that this idea of the promised pension doesn't work is because there are two stages to how a pension operates, more or less. Uh, the first stage is when there's a massive influx of participants and capital. Uh, when their input is higher than the output, pension grows, it expands with the economy, it retracts with the economy, but the key takeaway here is that with generational cycles, like the baby boomers, for example, they are putting capital into their pensions in lieu. I will get this out later. It's not a problem. But now, lo and behold, they've worked. They're looking to retire, maybe get a timeshare in Mexico. Who knows? <laughs> We're in 2020. Hey, maybe I should uh, start looking to retire, transition out of the workforce. And now we're entering a stage where because of the generational demographic distribution, we're seeing a massive outflow of capital interest within these funds. And now we're in a situation where output is greater than input. So we're seeing a net shift of capital out of pension funds. And eventually that's going to reach a very critical point. And that critical point, it's very hard to determine when it will be or what will happen. But basically, pension funds are going to go broke. And when pension funds go broke, there's two consequences. People won't get their money or people will get their money, but it's worth less. Yeah, it's uh, definitely a ticking time bomb. I just look, I'm just looking at the uh, current average age of baby boomers. 56 to 74 right and then to on average retiring at 65 is pretty uh i'd say standard so 
even the late bloomers of the baby boomers, 56, is, is pushing on to that age. So the largest workforce that's ever been, uh, I guess, in existence in the United States, the baby boomers are mostly going to be retired. And they're all going to be taking money out in order to live their retiring retirement lives, right? People dream of this who are working the 9 to 5 for decades of retiring, being able to spend time on the beach, getting paid by the company that they've worked for for the last 25, 30 years, right? So that's the, that's the goal for millions of people. And uh, this is not just... I think uh, impacting the people within the companies as well as the people who are currently working in the companies who are younger because at the end of the day, they're going to be hurt as well. But we're looking at this even from a more broader perspective of the government will not let them fail at the end of the day. So in our opinions, they're going to basically get the freshly printed currency off the press and just hand them the currency, right? Uh, the government has the ability to do that. The central banks have the ability to print currency out of absolutely thin air. So at the end of the day, what would what would make it easier for individuals? Saying, sorry, uh, we screwed up. We have obligations that we cannot make. Uh, we have insufficient funds in order to pay you. Or the alternative is, uh, let's just print this currency because we have the ability to do so. Give it to the people who... Are, uh, are required basically bailing out all these uh, funds who are unable to uh, hit the targets of the fund in order to increase the assets under management to pay off all these people who retired, but they're unable to. So basically they're going to bail them out. They're going to print freshly printed currency, give it to the funds, and that will really devalue the entire nation's currency so instead of impacting the companies and the corporations that are within this mess they're really impacting every single person who is within that nation by currency proliferation yeah and it's interesting just to kind of see because it feels like a domino effect we've already seen some pension funds fail uh, just one off the top of my head, uh, this was July of last year. Uh, it was a pension fund that serviced around 1.4 million Americans. And the end outcome was the Federal Reserve had to bail them out and pay the capital in question. Because the way that these pensions are often contractually set up, not in all cases, but a very significant majority, it is a legal binding between the pension and the individual that it will be paid out and that's not something that a municipal state could get out of that's not something that they or a municipal government could get out of that's not something a state government could get out of that's not something the federal government could get out of because that's all like the levels of pension that are available and so these governments are basically going to get their back pushed up against the wall because they effectively owe the large working contributing part of the economy a very significant amount of money and like he said when he was referring to the age demographics i think it's like 55 to 75 half of them are already out or transitioning out of the workforce and the other half are just beginning to make that transition now so i think in terms of overall economic stress that these pension funds are have experienced relative to how much more they have to experience it is substantial 
Yeah, pretty, uh, pretty unbelievable stuff. And, and I think a lot of people are finally coming to the conclusion that this is an in inevitable doom. And it, it's just creating even further validation that there's going to be some sort of crisis and massive inflows towards sound money because inevitably you're going to have too much inflation people are not going to believe in the dollar at, at a certain point in time it can't go on forever yeah it could go on for another handful of years even 10 we there's no uh exact time frame for which this is going to go down but it's inevitable so preparing for it and understanding the reasons why it occurred um, to some degree and level and being able to have a plan and prepare for um, really a difficult time is, is, is going to be extremely beneficial for, for anyone's really future for anyone's future so just wanted to discuss some of the uh, potential outcomes or, or the uh, reforms that could be created in order to try to assist or help this situation um, by what the government demands uh, or dictates to be a good potential outcome. One is raising the retirement age, basically making old people work longer. And uh, I think Nathan said that uh, uh, England did that. D did you? Yeah, England uh, has increased their retirement age from 65 to 68. Obviously, it's not like you have to work until 68 if you don't want to do it, but... And it's 68 for everybody born after the year of 1960. Uh, their pension will begin at age 68, which is a monumental change that I think went underneath the radar. Like, that's not something that I knew about until, like, last week, and I learned it super randomly scrolling through social media. But that's a pretty significant change to have your pension pushed back another three years. Yeah, man. It's... Uh... <laughs> That's pretty savage. It's actually br very brutal. Um, people have been waiting 20, 30 years for that, right? That, that special age. So that, that's a significant amount of the population. I, I would say it is theoretically a sliver, but think of how many people are going to be in the workforce because of that shift um, for every single company. Definitely adds up. So that's the first option. The second one is reducing obligations by shifting from defined benefits to defi defined contribution pensions or different types, reducing the overall payment amounts to the retirees. So basically saying, sorry, unfortunately, we can't pay out. I uh, wish you the very best and uh, we're sorry. Um, very difficult pill to swallow, I would say, as a person who didn't save because they assumed that a pension would support them for the rest of their life. So then if you're not prepared for that, if you're in hot, if you're in some hot water, that's not going to be taken lightly. And then the third one is increasing resources to fund pensions by increasing contribution rates and raising taxes. So like I said, as an employee, this is really going to be uh, negatively impacting you because let's say if you're 25, 26 and you have the next you know, handful of decades to work, um, you're going to be definitely biting the bullet and contributing a significant amount more because there's just less individuals in the workforce than your, uh, let's say, your father if you're a 25, let's say, 30-year-old individual. So that's going to be a hard pill to swallow as well if you are a younger member within a large corporation. Yeah, just to tack a little bit more onto that, increasing 
you basically have that fundamental dilemma where your outflow is greater than your inflow. And so you can change your outflow by reducing the amount that you pay people, or you can reduce the outflow by reducing the amount that people are expecting to get paid. That's kind of the duality there, lower their expectations, or actually just pay them less. The alternative approach is affecting the inflow, which, like Keith touched on, was the younger people in the company are going to have to increase their pension contributions just to keep the ship afloat and to ensure that their older colleagues are able to retire comfortably and in a manner that was basically more or less promised. And so that's kind of, that enters like a weird stage of mutual responsibility where it's like, okay, you're retiring next year. My pension fees are going to go up. I'm not retiring for another 30 years. So I hope the new people continue to pay their pension. Like it's a very, very much becomes like a distributed trust system where it's like, you keep paying your pension, I'll keep paying mine. And eventually we'll pay each other. And the alternative solution is raising taxes, which is something that is like a more broad spectrum effect to increase that inflow into the pension fund but mm -hmm. ultimately they have that fundamental problem there's just not enough cash flow in and they are spending money like crazy so there's a lot of cash flow out yeah i think the alternative way for an inflow is by saying uh instead of taxing people by like physically taking a higher portion of their paycheck just printing more that's literally a tax on the citizens using that currency and i think it's l less i guess uh easy to realize that it's actually get it's actually taxing you um to be completely honest i think a lot of people still do not know um that <laughs> central banks can just print money out of thin air and they do every single year so at the end of the day i think that's going to be the route that the central banks are going to be taking so then we are going to be looking at uh many possibilities within different asset classes to capitalize on this inevitable uh let's say situation i don't want to be too negative but uh yeah uh, it's uh it, it, in my opinion it is going to be this sound money era for this massive influx of capital leaving fiat currencies don't want to just say the united states dollar because i think a lot of currencies are in a similar situation um, in terms of the global macro uh, currency proliferation, they're not attached to gold or silver or any sound money. Central banks have complete authority to print as much as they want. There's no real, um, I guess you can say, negative outcome from them doing it within an instant quick amount of time. It takes time for a civilization and a nation and an economy to have that currency start circulating and then that will create obviously more currency in circulation which then will lower the value it's it's not a switch right it takes time for economies to shift and change and um yeah it, it's going to uh take a while but it's inevitable and i just want to touch on a little bit of uh information here i'm currently looking at the ratio between workers to pensioners so let's say for example if we're looking at the number 8.7 there is let's say in terms of ratio 8.7 workers for one pensioner and this was the actual ratio in 1970 uh, before the massive bubble burst in japan 
in the uh, 80s there, end of the 80s. And then in, 2020, in 2010, it was 2.6, so massive drop. And now we're at 1.3. So if you're looking at it from an inflow outflow perspective, it's not much different, right? You are really getting a sliver more. So there's very little room for error. And if you're getting inflation, you have to beat inflation or else that's going to take a portion of the value of the assets in, in, uh, that, that you're managing. So at the end of the day, you got to have some level of risk. You got to be able to invest in a methodical strategic way that you can make at least some marginal gains and sometimes you lose money and at the end of the day in terms of percentages it's if you're looking at it broadly if you lose let's say 50 percent it takes 100 percent to go back up so if you are an asset manager and you're digging yourself into a hole and you're losing more and more of your 100 percent funded portion of the capital you have to depend on either increasing the either tax or the contribution to the company or asking the government for money or bailing you out. And uh, we see every single country on this list decrease. For example, looking at uh, United States, 5.2 workers for every pensioner in 1970. In 2010, it's 4.6. In 2050, they are forecasting 2.5. So not a lot of outflow or not a lot of inflow for outflow, not a lot of room for error. Um, yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that, Nathan? Yeah, it's interesting just to see that trend. Like in the 70s, we had such a high ratio of workers to pensioners, but now we've definitely seen that contraction of the workforce. And maybe not so much the workforce, but maybe so much the pension contributors, let's call it, in that circumstance. And another thing just wanted to highlight on was kind of like the distribution because uh, that's really important because a lot of these are state-run pensions and so if we were looking just looking at a figure here from 2018 there were seven states that were between 90 and 100 percent funded and there were nine states less than 60 percent funded which is absolutely absurd and all the remaining states i do not know how many can't do that math in my head all the remaining states were somewhere between 60 and 90% funded, meaning they had somewhere between 30 and 10% of their value in limbo, unable to be paid out to the people who had been contributing their entire life and living the pension dream. And um, from like a regulatory perspective, there are 10 states that require stress stress testing and advocate for its usage to determine that difference between basically money owed versus money owned. And, uh, there are others considering it, but basically the large majority, roughly 70% of the USA does not have regular stress on their pension funds. So it's really hard to assess if they are able to pay them out but my guess would be no. And so that really, it paints a grim picture because ultimately there's only two ways out of this problem. People don't get their money and there's direct consequences from a socioeconomic perspective. People can't make ends meet, can't pay rent, can't buy food, can't put shelter over their head. Uh, 
or the alternative is mass currency devaluation like we've never seen it. I guess we have seen mass currency devaluation in 2020. I don't know if the pension crisis would be worse than the COVID stimulus, but I think it's the kind of thing where it's an additive effect. We had the COVID stimulus in March. There had there there's the decision made by the Federal Reserve to leave the printers on 24/7 365, expand the monetary supply greater in 6 months than we saw in 200 years. Can't really go back from that and now it looks like the pension funds are going to be holding their hands out. And so that calls into question, like, how does one capitalize from this opportunity? First, I think, don't believe in pensions. The best defense is a good offense. The Another thing to consider is this really idea of sound money that we've been harping on. We love our cryptos and metals. We love our things with that hold value that are useful when transferred. Um, those are the key things that I think stand to benefit in this situation because this is just going to tack on to that inflationary cycle that we have been so far experiencing within the schema of USD being the global reserve currency. I think we're nearing the end of that cycle, let's call it, because we are seeing that inflationary cascade begin to happen. Um, but Step one, don't get a pension. Step two, long Bitcoin, gold, silver, whatever it may be. Your, pick your poison, your asset of choice. And the third is kind of, maybe it's more theoretical in nature because I'm just thinking off this off the top of my head. I don't really have any figures to back it up. But I do think that at least specifically looking at uh, how I understand housing markets to work, I think that baby boomers hold a lot of equity, whether it be in their homes, whether it be rental properties, whether them being leveraged into a business of some kind. I do think that uh, baby boomers control a very significant portion of the equity available in real estate. So if the pension crisis does come to fruition, then I think there could be some kind of stress exerted on real estate as people are strapped for cash, perhaps downsize, and overall try and liquidate their assets just to meet ends meet because maybe there's concern for their pension. Who knows? It's really hard to speculate what will happen when this house of cards falls over. Yeah, extremely valid point. I completely agree. Um, the wealthiest generation to ever existed in terms of the amount of wealth creation create maybe comparable i don't exactly know if the kind of early 1900s like jp morgan uh dale carnegie uh that generation or jp morgan did, did i say that I don't, I don't exactly know what i said um dale carnegie that era definitely was extremely wealthy but uh yeah i completely agree overall there will be a day when um, pensions will definitely scare the shit out of people because they won't be there um, and they're going to be acting. They're going to be doing something in a way that uh, may be not natural um, and that might be liquidating their house or, or downsizing like you stated. So at the end of the day, it is going to be, I, I would say, a fundamental factor that is going to be in our future. But 
there's no TA to really, in my opinion, look at. So uh, it's going to be something that we'll have to keep an eye on for uh, for who knows how long. Yeah, for real, it's something to keep on the back burner within the corner of your mind because I think as time goes on, we are going to see a couple of things. First, uh, pension funds asking for bailouts. I think that goes without saying. We're probably going to see it at an increasing rate, so keep your ears to the streets for that. Second, I could see some of these pension funds getting exposure to cryptocurrency. We actually saw Mass Mutual who is a life insurance provider, I believe, uh, put 0.4% of their assets under management into Bitcoin, which equates out to like $100 million, which is absurd because they just got that capital, um, which is an absolute power move for an insurance company. Not really something you would expect a traditional service provider like that to be investing in. Uh, and I think realistically, it's happening in the background. Be aware of it. Look for not necessarily updates, but data to suggest that it's coming to fruition or it's not going to happen because this is a looming threat that I think is going to exacerbate the inflationary cycle we are in. Uh, perhaps we're absolutely out to lunch for exploring this idea. Perhaps we're spot on and we'll look back on this video in 10 years and be like, damn, we knew it back then. <laughs> It'll be our big short moment. Uh, but either way, let us know what you think. We'd love to have a chat because this is a more complex episode. Uh, and I think this would be a good place to wrap it up. So I'll pass it on over to Keith. Yeah, well said. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening or watching to, uh, watching our Perform Market podcast. If you're watching it on YouTube or maybe a uh, Spotify or some other platform that you are using to listen right now we appreciate it tell us what you think like nathan said um definitely if you have a question put it either uh in the comments below if you're watching through youtube or join our discord like we always say within our podcast probably nine times out of ten uh if you are new to cryptocurrencies or are kind of unaware of maybe how they work or how to use a ledger or how to safely store them Definitely does not hurt to uh, get a second opinion. We do have a very friendly, welcoming community that allows you to get a second opinion. Make sure the email that got sent to you isn't uh, some phishing scammer trying to take your BTC. We are trying to definitely help each other out and create a safe environment and where you're able to attain exposure in an extremely uh, new, exciting, disruptive asset class and, and, and really technology and trying to make that as uh, pleasurable as possible while being able to profit from it as well. So thank you very much for watching and listening. Really appreciate it. Until next time, have a good one, traders.